slight obsession with local history. So welcome. If you haven't uh, listened to my podcast before, I just tell you some of the, the lesser known stories of Cornish history. And today is slightly different because I wanted to talk to you about um, a couple of murders. Now, that is a little heads up for anyone who's not keen on hearing about um, these uh, events that happened back in the mid-19th century. So if that's not your thing, I suggest you go and listen to one of my other uh, podcasts instead. So anyway, I've always been fascinated with true crime. I was brought up um, really on a diet of Agatha Christie and Miss Marple and Hercule Poirot. They, they were kind of my heroes when, when I was a child. And in recent years, I've, I've really begun um, enjoying a lot of true crime podcasts as well, which kind of got me, me thinking. Now, this um, seems to be like a recent phenomena, but it really isn't at all. Um, if you, you look back in time, audiences in the past were just as captivated and just of, of obsessed with murder and mayhem as we seem to be today. And you only have to read some of the, the newspaper reports um, during the 19th century and the, some of the, the details that they provided are actually quite shocking to, to us today. And there was also um, the trend for the Penny Dreadful stories that shows that, that evil really was like a, a preoccupation uh, during the Victorian era. So it kind of begs the question as to where that interest comes from. You know, is it voyeurism, kind of ghoulishness, or was it just simply curiosity because these crimes were so taboo? Or is it just that evil fascinates us because we're, we're trying to understand it? I don't really know, but I have read that women especially are interested in true crime because it's kind of preparing us for the world in a way and it's human nature to to try and learn from other people's mistakes and um, be prepared the best way that we can and that's a kind of an evolutionary ad advantage to us so anyway today I want to talk about a, a couple of crimes that happened in Cornwall and in a period of just two years two brutal murders occurred near Bodmin the first was the murder of Charlotte Diamond, which happened on the moor in April 1844, not far from Rautor. And the second was that of a woman who is only known as Somerset Anne. And that took place in the hamlet of Tregullion in March 1846. So they were basically 23 months apart. Now, both of the murders were of young women, teenagers really. Charlotte was 18 and Anne was said to be about 19. Both were said to be out walking alone. Both were murdered on a Sunday. Both were left lying in a state of undress and both were found, um, their bodies were found in, in, in uh, bodies of water. But the way that these two deaths were reported and the way that they were subsequently remembered Sure that almost anyone who has any interest
interest in local history in Cornwall, especially anyone living in the Bobnam area, will have heard of the murder of Charlotte Diamond. But just to recap, in case you're, you're not familiar with the story, Charlotte was a dairy maid um, at the Penhale farm and she was um, reportedly beautiful and pious and hard-working and on Sunday the 14th of April she left the farm and went out onto the moors. Now most reports claim that she intended to meet someone that day. Now it seems that Charlotte and the other servant from the farm, Matthew Weeks, um, had been courting or at the very least Matthew seemed to think that they were courting. But observers say um, that they really made quite an odd pair. Um, Charlotte was very attractive and outgoing, while Matthew was kind of awkward. Um, he walked with a limp and he had several teeth missing. So it seems that on that fateful Sunday, the person that Charlotte was going to meet on the moor was not Matthew. But the pair, um, they did leave the farm together and were spotted out on the moor by a farmer um, who recognised Matthew um, from a distance by, by his limp and later that evening Matthew returned uh, home to the farm but he was alone and when he was asked where Charlotte was he said that she had decided to walk to Blissland um, to look for another job and that she was going to be staying with a friend overnight there. Now the days passed and Matthew's story slowly began to fall apart. Charlotte had not been seen in Blissland, in fact she'd not been seen at all. And not only that but the farmer's wife noticed that the clothes that he had been wearing that Sunday were torn and muddy. And a week later Charlotte's body was found in a little stream just below Rautor and her, her clothes were torn and dishevelled and um, her throat had been cut. Now Matthew Weeks made a run for it, um, but he didn't get very far. Um, he was eventually arrested at his sister's house in Plymouth and brought back to, to stand trial. Now, since the discovery of Charlotte's body, the newspapers, both locally and nationally, had been reporting like a blow-by-blow -blow account of the case. The search for Charlotte, um, details of her injuries, every detail of the outfit that she was wearing, um, the manhunt for Matthew Weeks, and then, of course, subsequently, the trial. Uh, every witness account um, was reported in the papers in full. They even printed um, a letter that Matthew had written from prison to his mother. They printed it in, in the paper. And then there was this sort of moment-by-moment moment account of Matthew Weeks's execution because he did confess in the end and, and was found guilty and hanged. And an estimated 20,000 people made the journey to Bobnim on the day of the execution. But even before the, the actual trial had begun or the verdict had been decided, Charlotte's murder had already turned into a bit of a circus. A large fate had been held at Rao Tor, very near the site of the murder. And the West Britain reported that around 10,000 people had attended this fate. And there were donkey rides and wrestling matches and entertainers. There were even refreshment stalls. And in the midst of it all, there was a large black flag flying on a pole that had been pushed into the ground in the place where Charlotte's body had been found. 
and people actually came and paid a penny to go and look at, at the scene of the crime. Now, some of the money that was raised that day went towards the building of a granite memorial that you can still see at the bottom of Rautor today, but I'm sure not all of the money uh, went that way. But anyway, that's besides the point. So that's the, the story of the murder of Charlotte Diamond. Now, the second murder that I want to talk about turned out slightly differently. And I think it's interesting to compare um, the two events. So on the morning of Monday the 16th of March 1846, a man called Richard Reynolds, who was either a labourer or a miner, depending on which paper you read, where he was on his way to work at around 7am. And when he passed uh, through the, the hamlet of Tregullion, which is really a tiny place and then consisted of just like three farms and a tin mine, well, something caught his eye in a field. Richard went to investigate and found a bundle of clothes. Now, some reports say that the clothes were just in a pile or that they were wrapped in a handkerchief or that they were strewn all across the field um, and it isn't clear which of, of those is correct but whatever the case Richard obviously realised that, that something was very wrong and he and another man who had come along um, around the same time they began to look about the field and they eventually found the body of a woman a short distance away from the pile of clothes and she was lying in a shallow pool of muddy water she was completely naked apart from her shift which had been torn down the back and she was lying face down with her face partially submerged in the muddy water. The ground around her was really quite marshy and Richard actually noticed men's shoe size footprints in the mud. Now the body was identified as 19 year old Somerset Anne by a local woman called Mary Cottrell, who said that Anne was a ma match seller who travelled from village to village selling her wares. And, and Mary said that Anne was originally from Chard in Somerset, hence her nickname. And she described her as a lively girl who was in good spirits the last time that she had seen her, though she hadn't seen her for a number of days. A surgeon, uh, Mr Ward, was called to examine Anne's body and he determined that her stomach, lungs and throat were full of mud and dirty water and he concluded that she had been drowned by someone holding her head under the water in the pool in which she had been found but otherwise he described her as very healthy and said that there was no indication that she had been unwell at all or that she had been inebriated. A coroner's court um, was held in Lanivette um, and a number of witnesses were called. Besides Mary Cottrell and Richard Reynolds, there were three other persons who gave testimony. An unnamed witness who claimed that he had passed Anne on the road to, to Tregullion on Sunday evening, and he had said that she seemed gloomy and despondent. And when he asked her if she was alone, she said that she had met a man across the field who had, quote, made her all dirt. Another unnamed witness reported that about 9.45pm on Sunday evening, they had passed near to where Anne had been found 
and they had heard a man's voice calling out the name Charlie twice. The witness said that um, the shouts hadn't got any reply and that he had just assumed that it was someone looking for their sheep. Don't ask. Another witness um, that was called was a man called William Beard. Now, Beard had also identified Anne's body by um, two tattoos that she had. There was a ring on her forefinger, which was um, with Indian ink, and there were the initials WS on one of her arms. And William said that he had known Anne for two years, and the London Daily News even claimed that the two had been cohabiting. It seems that William was questioned about his whereabouts at the time of Anne's murder and apparently his answers were either vague or peculiar so he was taken into custody for a few days but eventually William was released because there was no real evidence against him but I did look into William Beard a little though and if you ask me he may have warranted closer inspection by the authorities. So he was born in around 1816 and described himself as a former soldier and a matter of 10 days after Anne's murder he was arrested and sent to Bodmin jail for quote wandering, lodging in an outhouse in the parish of Lanivet, not having any visible means of subsistence and having in his possession a pick lock key for a felonious purpose end quote his prison record describes him as five foot eight inches tall with gray eyes and sandy hair and he also had a freckled face and and pock marks and there was a large scar on his left hand which ran across three fingers now after his arrest in 1846 which was just a few days after Anne's death William continued to get into trouble and was imprisoned in in Bodmin jail at least three more times but I should note really that the crimes that he committed were 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 petty crimes mostly theft Um, on one occasion he stole some turnips uh, then he stole some chickens and then in 1858 he stole a coat so to me these sound like you know, crimes of desperation. There was never any, um, no, never any violent crime. So at the beginning of April, the newspapers across the country ran a notice which had been posted by Her Majesty's Government offering a reward of £100 for the apprehension of the murderer or murderers of Somerset Anne. And that this notice appeared in papers all over the country, as far away as London and Liverpool and Wales, but as far as I can tell, no one uh, came forward. Then the next thing that happened was in July, so four months uh, after Anne's body had been found, and a woman um, was being held in Liscard on charges of robbery, and she claimed 
that she had been present at Anne's murder. Um, and her name isn't given in any of the newspaper reports and I, I haven't been able to establish who she was. But she supposedly named names and two men were arrested in Devonport. Now sadly the case fell apart after she was unable to identify these men when they were brought before her in Liscard. Um, and it may have been that she was just trying to collect the £100 reward or maybe just get herself out of trouble. And as far as I can tell, this is pretty much the end of the story. Anne's killer was never found and nearly 200 years later we still don't even know her full name. Um, when I searched for her burial notification, and I did that really not thinking that I would find anything, and much to my surprise, I did find her in the Lanavet Parish records, and the entry just reads, Somerset Anne, buried 1st of April 1846, age unknown, residence unknown. And that really is, is the end of our story. The public and the papers quickly forgot about Somerset Anne entirely. She's not a story that I have ever heard before. And yet Charlotte Diamond's name was really quite familiar to me. And you can't help but wonder why that is. Was there something more exciting about Charlotte Diamond's story? You know, this romantic assignation that she was supposed to be having on the desolate moors. And that Somerset Anne story just wasn't quite as interesting. There is one thing that I do wish, however, and that is... I wish that I had been able to trace Anne's full name and, and give her back her identity, really. But after hours of trawling through the census records in 1841, really nothing obvious jumped out at me at all. But I do know one thing. That burial record in Lanavet means that, that she was laid to rest in their graveyard. And yes, okay, probably in an unmarked grave, but for me that doesn't really matter because next time I'm, I'm passing, I'm going to drop in and I'm going to have a word with Anne. It makes me so sad really to think that she must have had a family somewhere, she must have had friends somewhere who probably never knew what, what happened to her. And... Um, yeah, I, I feel like women like that, they so easily slip through the gaps of, of history and are so easily forgotten. Um, so yeah, remembering Somerset Anne, I guess. So that's it from me. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope this week hasn't been too depressing. I hope that it's it's raised a few questions in your mind about why we are so fascinated with these true crime stories where where that fascination comes from and also you know that sort of strange voyeurism from the past where that came from as well and why we all know charlotte diamond's name and yet somerset anne is actually just a nickname we don't know what she was called at all so there you go that's it from me thank you so much for listening please pop 
listen to some other episodes if you've enjoyed this one. Um, otherwise than that, please do like and share and subscribe wherever you're you're listening. Um, I want to keep trying to do do these episodes and, and grow this podcast a little bit. And I really 